0: Throughout history, I think, this is kind of obvious to say, but throughout history, significant people have all had followers. That's, that's kind of how the world works, isn't it? If you, if you want to be significant or an important person in the world, you, you need followers, and, and the more the merrier. And so even today in the, well, the 21st century, there are countless or just hundreds and thousands of ways that you can Uh, pay for advice on how to get people to join your club or to sign up to your mailing list or just to kind of maybe even just follow you around because we all know it to be true, I think, that followers equal significance. That's not controversial, is it, really? I think that's just the world we're in, isn't it? Followers equal significance. So if you want to be important in, in the world of Facebook, And the world of Twitter, what do you need? You need to have as many likes as you can, as many friends as you can, as many retweets as you can, as many kind of link clicks as you can possibly invent because that makes you a significant person, isn't it? The more likes you have, the more important you are. Or if you want to be successful in your office or, or in your classroom or in your home, you just got to get people to like you. The more people that like you, the better. The more people that are with you, the more people that follow you, that are on your side, the better. Popular is good and more is is better. Every publicity manual, every PR firm agrees, followers equal significance. And we come to Luke chapter 8 and we find out that Jesus is rubbish at PR. He's just terrible at it. Luke chapter 8 proves that Jesus doesn't have a PR bone in his body because we're in this uh, chapter 8 here And he's surrounded by a crowd, a big crowd, a really, really big crowd. So he starts at the beginning of the chapter, goes on this kind of big, long uh, preaching tour. And it's really very successful. He has a clear message about the kingdom of God and people like him and they followed him. Tick. People were coming from town after town after town, coming to him, being a captive audience, a chance for Jesus to be really significant Tick. He healed people, he helped people, preached to people. They were so thankful, so grateful that they supported him and his ministry financially. Big tick. And instead of passing around a sign-up sheet, he told them a parable. Now if you don't think that that doesn't actually sound too bad, well then this afternoon you're in for a little bit of a shock because... Parables aren't nice stories with a, like a simple, clear moral to them. They're not something which, which is there to help people understand better or to see clearer. Parables aren't really like that at all. Have a look in, in the Bible there, verse, verse 9. So, just on the top half of page 865. And, and here Jesus is explaining where it says there in, in the Bible, the purpose of the parable. This is Jesus saying, why am I telling a parable? Why am I telling you this parable? And I think we expect Jesus to say this. So in verse 9 and 10, he says, I tell the parables, verse 10, so that seeing they would see and hearing they would understand. That's what we expect, isn't it? Jesus is, is preaching, he's telling a parable, whatever the parable story is. and we think, okay, so he's going to tell that so that the hearers can hear and the people there, they can understand. That's what we expect. But but what does he say? What's the reality of what a parable is for? That seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. That's surprising, isn't it? That's just a shock. Jesus is rubbish at PR, But maybe Jesus is rubbish at PR because he, he has different priorities to everybody else in history. Maybe Jesus tells parables because he has a totally different definition of follower than Facebook does. Because Jesus isn't, I think, he's not just content with, with having people in his gang. That's not really what he's after. He, he, he didn't tell parables to make people like him. Parables aren't nice, soft stories. Parables aren't safe places to go. They are designed to confuse because they separate people. See, parables aren't safe because actually parables judge people. Their purpose is to divide into one of two groups, uh, one positive and one negative. That's what parables are for. And you're here this afternoon and we're going to hear a parable. And they're not safe. And they're not soft, but they will divide us into one of two groups, a good group and a bad group, a positive group and a negative group. And here in chapter 8 of Luke's Gospel, this parable is especially divisive, hugely divisive. But there's also a a clear message of hope as well. So follow along, just at the top of page 865 uh, from chapter 4. Of Luke chapter eight. Picture the scene. Jesus is speaking to a huge crowd, hundreds and hundreds, if not more, to a big, big crowd of people that that seemingly like him. They they've they've followed him, they've they've come from their towns, their homes, and they're listening to him speak, and he stands up and he gives them a picture or gives them an illustration, this picture of a sower and a seed. And you can imagine it as well if you want. Just picture a farmer, however you want to picture farmers look like. It's your imagination. You can kind of do that as you well. Just a farmer with some seed. That's all you need in your head, okay? A farmer and, and some seed. A bag of seed. And he's just walking up and down the fields, kind of throwing some seeds up and down onto the soil. It probably would have been this time of year as well, so that helps with kind of our weather, I guess. But you've just got a farmer, a sower, a bag of seeds walking up and down the field, throwing seed onto soil. There's some soil, there's some seed. Soil over there, have some seed. And the camera goes. You can imagine the camera following the, the sower's hand as he throws the seed, and it starts following the seeds. And it follows some of the seed as the seed lands on, on a path. Just a little walkway, kind of a harder soil, just some walkway that people use to get through his field. And that seed, as it stays there, doesn't stay there very long. Because either someone walks on it and just tramples it away, or the birds see it and they swoop down and they come and they have some lunch. See, some of the seed lands on the path and has no chance to grow. just gets taken away, quick and just just done. Some of the seed the camera focuses on lands on on, um, rocky soil. Now, I always had in my head, when I heard this when I was a kid, like a literal rockery, just like big kind of piles of rock and boulders on. And I don't think that is really what it looks like because the sower wouldn't throw seed onto a rockery. That's just like stupid. So, probably what it was, it's just a, it's a, like a layer of soil, with just some rock underneath. So, it looks like soil, so he's throwing the seed on the, on the soil, but there's rock underneath. And so, what happens. Well, there's no space for the root to grow. There's no water that can come up and help the plant to grow. So if the plant is going to grow at all, it, it's not going to grow very big. It's not really going to grow at all because it's just going to wither and and die because there's no root. Then there's some seed that falls in some soil with, with some thorns. And uh, I'm not really an expert in uh, thorn. I don't know. That's probably a Latin name for thorn studies. Um, but I'm not expecting thorns or, or weeds or anything, but, um, but thorns are greedy. Weeds are, are greedy. They just take up all the space. If there's any water in the ground, the thorns are going to take it, and they're going to steal as much as they can. So if there's seed in amongst the thorns, it's going to grow, but really the thorns are going to take away all the goodness to it. So there's going to be no space for the crop, and any crop is just going to be choked, and it's going to go. But then the camera focuses on the seed that falls into the good soil, and the good soil is brilliant, and the seed grows, and it grows, and it, and it grows big. And that's the parable. That, that's the story. It's just a nice, simple, farming, agricultural story, and everyone in the crowd can picture what's going on. Everyone knows what sower. They they know the time of year. They know what it looks like. Maybe some of them are even sowers themselves. Maybe they're impressed. Jesus is a great storyteller. And yes, you were right. That is how it works, the different soils. And great, this is an excellent, simple farming story. And they're all really impressed, perhaps. They know what's going on until the second half of verse 8. Until the second half of verse 8. Because at the end of this simple farming picture... Jesus doesn't say the end. He doesn't say, you know, thanks for coming. See you next week. He he doesn't say that at all. He says, "Make sure you've really listened." That's like a weird thing to say, isn't it? "Make sure you've really listened." The one who has ears to hear, let them hear. Are you listening? Will you respond? Which is a weird thing to say if the parable is just a nice and simple farming picture. Are you listening? Will you respond? Jesus' disciples, his, his closest followers, are curious, I guess probably confused as well. So they go to Jesus and they ask him what the parable means, which is a great question. What, what, what's going on here in this parable, this, this story? So Jesus is really kind and he explains what a parable really is for, which we've seen already. The the parable is there to divide people into one of two groups, positive, negative, and then he explains the parable. So switch back into that imagination as you were thinking of the sower and the seed. And Jesus says, okay, the seed is, is the word. It's the Word of God's kingdom. It, it's really what Jesus had been preaching about on his tour, that God's kingdom is here in Jesus, and it's just being spread as far and wide as can be. The seed is the word, and some of the seeds, uh, some of the word lands like the seeds on, on a path with just no chance to grow. As soon as the word is preached, as soon as it's heard, what did Jesus say? The devil just comes and takes it. There's no chance for it to grow. It just, it comes, it lands, done. But the seed on that lands on the rocky ground, that's the word being heard. But really there's no fruit, is there? There's, there's any fruit, any growth, Is just really shallow. Remember, there's, just, there's no root, there's no deepness, there's no depth to the word, to the response of to the word. And so... When there's pressure, Jesus says, when there's persecution, the fruit just goes. It withers, it dies, there's no root, it's not gone deep, and no fruit. What about the thorny grounds? Have a look at verse 14. Is there any fruit in the thorny grounds? Not, not really. Yes, there is a response, but, but it's choked, isn't it? Choked by... by by self-concern, uh, but choked by important things that have become essential things, uh, choked, in verse 14, by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. Just there's, there's no space for the word. There's no space for Jesus. I'm going to focus so much on, on the pleasure and comfort and all of those things which are good, but they're not essential. And so that fruit is choked and the seed is gone. But then the word that lands on good soil, in verse 15, finally, finally we have fruit. Finally we have a healthy, a responsive and a, a faithful heart where, where the seed, the word, can, will grow and there will be fruit. Are you listening? Will you respond? Some of you at this point in the afternoon, might be feeling very, very, just well, just totally calm. You know, you've heard this before, you've heard of this parable of the sower years ago when you were a kid, you'd, you've heard it before, Yes, yeah, seeds and soils and thorns and fruit and yeah, okay, we get it, we get it, we get it. Can we just sing some more? Need to get home for the rugby, that's quite important. Not really, not really a big deal. Some of you maybe are kind of there right now, but some of you might be, I don't know, maybe you're stressing a little bit because you've, whether you've heard this before or not, you're thinking, oh man, I don't know which soil I am. You know, there are these four kind of soils and like, one's good, one's obviously bad, but, but man, what if, what, if, what if I'm the thorny kind? What if I'm the rocky kind? And you're just there and you're kind of stressing about it. Some of you might just be totally confused and like, have no real idea what's going on. And that's fine too. That's absolutely fine because isn't that, that's kind of the point I think, because parables are, are supposed to provoke a response. Jesus isn't saying this parable so that people will kind of understand and like him. See, parables are there to provoke a response. And this parable, particularly this one, is all about the response to Jesus and his word. Do you notice as we went through that each, each soil hears the word? So each soil has the seeds. Kind of receives the seed. Each soil hears the word. So there's four soils, four hearers, really four, four ways to respond. And so if you're here this afternoon and and you hear Jesus, but before the end of the final song, it's gone. Maybe you've heard it all before. Maybe you just don't like Jesus. But if you just you're just here this afternoon and you just go and you just walk away, well that's that's the path. There's just no growth. No chance to grow. Not really bothered. Don't really care. Go, gone. That's, that's the path. What if you hear Jesus and, and you follow along a little bit until the hard times come and they kind of turn you away from God and you wither? That's the rocky, rocky soil. Thorny soil. You hear Jesus... And you're on board for sure, but, but life just kind of gets in the way. The, the, the comfort that you want in life, maybe that promotion or, or money or, or whatever it is that you want, just gets louder and louder and louder. And God gets choked because there's no space in your heart for Him. That's the thorns just growing up, choking, taking up all the space. But there is good soil. There are good hearts that respond, people that hear Jesus, that keep listening to him and want more of him, more of him. That's good soil. There's four soils, but really there's only two groups, isn't there? There's the soil that's, that's good or the soil that's bad. There's the heart that is soft or the heart that is hard. There are the, the, the ears that are open or the ears that are closed, there's... There's the life that is with Jesus or the life that is resisting him, without him. Really just two groups. And the two extremes are obvious, aren't they? So if you're not really listening to Jesus, you're not really going to give him a second thought. That's obviously like the path. And you're not really bothered about me saying that because you're not really engaging anyway. So that's fine. The other extreme... Uh, The good soil, if you're excited by Jesus, and I hope some of you are here this afternoon, if you're excited about Jesus and you just want more and more and more of him because he loves you, then that's the fourth soil, that's the good soil, and that's awesome because you will grow and there will be fruits and you'll keep growing. But my guess is that most of us aren't in one of those two kind of extreme camps, and if you are, maybe you're not even really listening to me. But, but most of us probably aren't, aren't in, on the path, and most of us probably don't feel like we're good soil. We're one of the two middle ones. Like the rocky soil, thorny soil. They're kind of like the grey ones. The ones we're not really too sure about. Don't get me wrong, Jesus makes it clear that they're firmly in the bad soil, like the no fruit category. But my guess is that most of Jesus' followers that were in the crowd there in Luke chapter 8 were in one of those two camps, one of those two soils. And probably most of us this afternoon are in one of those two as well. Maybe you're there thinking, man, yeah, that, that thorny ground sounds like me. That rocky ground sounds like me. That's probably the same for most of us, I think. So for a few weeks now here in in Trinity, we've been walking with Jesus through Luke chapter 7 and now this afternoon we're in chapter 8. But a few weeks ago, we saw a centurion and we saw a widow who both trusted Jesus in the face of death, which for them, the same as it is for us, death is the biggest thing in life that we can't control, isn't it? We do all we can to try and control death. And it's really the one thing that will always escape our control. And we saw a few weeks ago that a centurion and a widow could trust Jesus even in the face of death. And then we um, met John the Baptist and we saw how how he helps us to see that God is at work in in everyday life. How how faith, trusting in, in Jesus, isn't about being strong and clever and impressive, but it's just about asking for help asking him for help. And last week, we met a grateful woman who realised how much Jesus loved her and responded by by loving him with all she had. And already this afternoon, we've met some of that group of people at the beginning of the chapter that were following Jesus from crowd to crowd and even gave their own money for him. So we've heard of all of that and we're here this afternoon talking about soil. Soil. That's a bit weird, isn't it? But really, we're not really talking about soil. Really, we're talking about your heart. Really, we're talking about what following Jesus really means. We're talking about the part of the crowd that we're in if we're following Jesus. Because Jesus isn't interested in half-hearted followers. Followers that just like his Facebook page or sign up to join him for a few weeks. Some people's heart for God is really shallow. It's fine for a Sunday. Maybe it'll stretch to a midweek meeting. but, But really in the week, in the working week, when Monday comes and there's pressure to be a Christian or just life is hard, their heart for God just withers and wilts and goes back into the soil some people's heart for God is is just crowded out. Maybe that's kind of how you feel. Your heart is crowded out because you know, I know for me, like, I'd rather be comfortable in life. I'd rather focus on nice things in life—house, car, bank account—so that Jesus just kind of gets pushed to one side. He just gets choked, gets gets sidelined. And maybe you're and you're thinking, yeah, do you know what? Sometimes I'm like that one. Sometimes I'm like that one. Sometimes I'm like both and they're terrible days. But I, I kind of, I'm, I'm rocky and I'm thorny and all these things. And If either of those two things apply to you, if, if, if any of those two soils, you're there thinking, oh, that's me. It's really important that you listen. Because there are so many obstacles to the word growing in your heart so many obstacles to the seed, to the wood growing in your heart, that I'm worried that you'll leave church today thinking that it's up to you to become good soil. Because isn't that what we naturally think? Maybe you've already kind of had that process. You think, well, yeah, okay, you're talking about those bad soils. That's me. So great. Tomorrow morning, good soil. Here we come. That's, That's just not it at all. That's what we like to think, isn't it? We can do our own weeding, do our own gardening in our heart. But don't go away thinking that. There are so many obstacles to the word growing in your heart, but there's only one way to fruit, and it's not you. If you see yourself as rocky or thorny, you will want to try and fix yourself. And if you try and fix yourself, you will just wilt and wither, or the word will be choked and you'll disappear. There's only one way to fruit, and it's this listen to Jesus. There's only one way to fruit. Lean in and go to Jesus. Jesus gives the disciples the secret, kind of the revealed open secret of the kingdom of God. Why does he do that? Is it because they were friends? What special thing? Did the disciples do this super duper incredibly shiny brilliant thing that they did that Jesus said I'm going to give you the secret I'm going to explain the secret of the kingdom what is it they did it's got to be impressive what is it they did they go to Jesus with their ignorance and they ask for help and that's it they go to Jesus with their ignorance and they say help And Jesus says, good. Parables divide people into two groups. The seeker or the one on the sofa. Faithful or faithless. Good soil or bad soil. Jesus isn't interested in crowds of Facebook friends because he came for true followers. True followers of Jesus don't make themselves into good soil because we can't. True followers of Jesus don't try to, to fit Jesus into our mixed thorny soil. And we try that all the time, don't we? We try that all the time. Every Monday morning, okay, Jesus, come and fit into my soil. Plenty of thorns, but you just come and fit and maybe you'll be choked out by lunchtime. See, true followers of Jesus know that they're not good. True followers of Jesus bring their, their cold heart to Jesus, and say, help me. And that's it. There is bad news in this parable. It's, it's probably fairly obvious where the bad news is. If you're not bothered by any of this, if you really couldn't care less what Jesus is saying, it's pretty clear your problem, you're dead. You're, you're on the path. There's just no chance. There's dead, there's no life and you're probably not that bothered anyway. There's also bad news if you think that you can make yourself into a follower of Jesus by, by doing your own gardening, by, by doing your own weeding. The, the bad news is, is, is that you can't. But this parable does have incredibly good news, an amazing invitation of hope for those of you who are listening to Jesus. Jesus. So you've heard the word this afternoon. Maybe you've been here for a number of weeks. Maybe you've been here over the last 90 odd weeks since Trinity Chippenham started. You've heard the word over 90 weeks, but you've heard the word over these last, what, 15, 20 minutes or so. You've heard the word this afternoon, and Jesus invites you to know him. He, he invites you to trust him with everything. In the face of death, in the face of thorns, in the face of pressure. In the face of whatever tomorrow morning is going to bring, Jesus says, you can know me and you can trust me with everything. Not just today and tomorrow, but in every situation. In every situation, the, the, the news that you get in the week, the, the thing that happens at lunchtime on Thursday, the, whatever happens to the kids at school on Friday, just in every situation, Jesus says, you can trust me you can know me and you can be with me and you will respond to him we don't get a choice of whether we respond or not our hearts will respond to him and they'll respond to him by saying no thanks or we'll respond to him by saying what well, yes please and this is the the really good bit the like the crazy good bit if you are broken if you are weak and cold, if you are ashamed and confused and thorny or rocky, if you are any of those things, fall on Jesus. Because he came for people like you. And that's it. Don't do any weeding, don't do any gardening, don't try and. don't do anything, just fall on Jesus. The more broken you are, the more you can fall on Jesus. The colder you are from him, the more he says, come on. Don't clean yourself up, but lean on him. And his seed, his word will grow and grow and grow.